go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to continue our series, Liberty in Jesus. And the title of my sermon today is Going with the Flow. Going with the Flow. So going with the flow sometimes can be a good thing. Sometimes we need people who can go with the flow, who sometimes will work well with others and just kind of slide along and help things happen and make things happen. But spiritually, that's not a good thing. Going with the flow is not what God has called us to do as believers. And we're going to find that Paul was dealing with this very situation in the churches in Galatia where the folks in the churches were uh, tempted, I think, more than anything to just go with the flow, to kind of go along with what was being taught, to kind of go along with what was being asked of them instead of doing what God had called them to do and standing in the gap. So in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, if you found your places, you may stand again for the reading of God's word. And you can follow along with me there, beginning in verse 7. The Bible says, You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord you will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. You may be seated. So some of you maybe have heard of a religious philosophy called Taoism. There's actually a Taoist traditions, I think it's like an acupuncture type thing on Sardis Road as you're traveling toward the outlet mall. But Taoism really is a religion and a philosophy that's been a part of Chinese life for nearly 2,000 years. And Taoism has historically had a positive view of the occult, of mysticism, of different practices that are obviously contrary to the word of God. But if you wanted to describe Taoism really in one sentence, it would be this. Go with the flow. Taoism is really hard to define because there's so many variations of it, but it focuses on what they believe is the way. They don't know who gives the way or how you find the way, but they know that the way exists. So what they say is, is whatever way life takes you, just go with the flow and let it take you that way. Well, we know as believers and from a biblical worldview that that can be very dangerous. That can be very problematic. When we allow the circumstances of our life or we allow the flow of society to push us and guide us a certain way. So today, I want us to look at going with the flow as a negative thing. And then I want to give you two steps for how when you're pressured to go with the flow, that you can resist it. Biblical steps. And these are steps that Paul gives us here in the scripture. So the first step, if you are being pressured to just go with the flow of society or just to go with the flow of sin or go with the flow of circumstances. The first thing that we need to do is to determine the source. So if you're right, taking notes, write that down. Determine the source. So let me ask you this. Have you ever been riding in your car or your truck and you start to hear a new noise that it starts making that you've not heard before? Now there's some of you in here that you would basically just turn the radio up so you don't have to hear the noise anymore. Raise your hand if you're one of those people. Yeah, yeah. Those are the ones that end up having an engine blown or a transmission that goes out or something like that. 
Now, there's others of you, though, when that happens, it'll drive you crazy until you find out where the noise is coming from. If you're one of those people, raise your hand. Right, right. I'm probably similar to that just because I don't want to have to spend more money later fixing something bigger. But the other day, I kept hearing a squeaking noise in my car, and when I would come to a stop, I would hear the squeak, and then when I would hit the gas and move forward, I would hear the squeak. So I'm thinking maybe this is my brakes, maybe this is my suspension, but something's not right here, and I really need to figure out what's going on. So as I started to investigate it, I found a little Hot Wheels car in the driver. Uh, back seat door right there in the armrest and basically the little hole there that you put your hand in to open the door gave that Hot Wheels car about a half an inch to where it could roll so when I would stop the car would the little Hot Wheels car roll and I'd hear the squeak and then when I take off I'd hear the squeak so thankfully because I determined the source of the the noise I didn't have to worry anymore my car's not falling apart and everything is okay so I wanted to kind of compare that though to when society when even friends or family, maybe your workplace, maybe people at school, or an idea that is coming through society begins to pressure you and to go against your Christian foundation. And it begins to force you to just say, you know what, just go with the flow. Just quit standing up for your Christian beliefs and just go along with society. It's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot less struggle. Why don't you just do that? Well, when we find out where the idea or where the pressure is coming from. It's a lot easier for us to fight it. It's a lot easier for us to know how to respond to it. And that's what I'm talking about today, determine the source. Well, here in verse 7, Paul is dealing with that very thing as he's talking to the Galatians. Now, we remember the Galatians are dealing with this lie that's being taught to them by the Judaizers, this lie that says circumcision and adherence to the law somehow will make you more spiritual, will somehow put you in a better position to be saved. And Paul is combating that by saying, you know what? It's all grace. It's about what Jesus did for you. It's Jesus' righteousness that saves you, not your own. So here Paul, in verse 7, begins to use an illustration of athletics or running. He says in verse 7, you were running well, who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? So right here, that word persuaded is actually a Greek word that is egg copto. And when translated, some versions translate it hinder, some translations translate it persuaded. But it is actually a term that has to do with cutting in, cutting into line in front of somebody. So if you think about a track and you think about runners who are racing on a track, and you think about as one runner is in the lead, another runner comes up beside them, gets in front of them, and slows down and causes them to be hindered of continuing to run with all their ability and with all their strength. And that runner is then tasked with trying to get around the other person, trying to move around the impediment. Well, here Paul is using that same illustration saying, listen, Galatians, you were running so well, you were following Christ, you were going with what God had called you to do, and now you're being persuaded. Now you're being hindered. Now someone has gotten in front of you, they've cut in line, and they've slowed you down. They've put you out of the lane, and now you're running off course. And he's trying to get them to understand where they are now at this point. So when they see that they were cut off from running, when they saw that they were being impeded from doing what God wants, verse 8, Paul follows up and he says, This persuasion does not come 
from the one who calls you. So here we have the source. Here we have, first of all, in verse 7, we have a negative idea of someone being pushed off course. And then we find out in verse 8 that the one who is telling this lie, the one who is trying to get the Galatians to believe that faith is by works uh, or salvation is by works, not by faith, then he says it's not from God. And I think in life, as we look at ways to determine the source of where these things are coming from, the first thing we need to determine is this of God or from God? Is this in line with biblical truth? And if it's not, then we have to stop. If it's not, we have to stop where we are and resist whatever it is. And what he's teaching the Galatians is, is listen, this idea, this false doctrine is not from the Lord. You need to stop. You need to take a moment and you need to reflect and you need to really understand who it is coming from. Now, from a biblical worldview, we understand that if something is not coming from God, then it is coming from somewhere or someone. And wherever it's coming from is going to be very dangerous. Because it's either coming from your own sinful desires, your own sinful flesh, or it's coming from the powers of hell, from demonic powers, from satanic powers. And what Paul's trying to get them to understand is, is this isn't coming from God, but it certainly is coming from somewhere and from someone, and you need to be careful. How many times in life do we just kind of see something at the surface, whether it's a new idea that our society is trying to get us to buy into? You know, one thing that's uh, so difficult having children is, is being careful about what they watch because um, our society has become so wicked that it's now integrating homosexuality into even the, the, the youngest age appropriate cartoons and, and, and um, shows. So now even your five or six-year-old is very possible that if you let them watch whatever Netflix says is appropriate or you let them watch whatever Disney says is appropriate for them, they're eventually going to encounter some kind of homosexuality, some kind of a, a situation with that. And I've seen that time and time again as a parent. And what we have to do as parents is as these things are coming our way, as these ideas are hitting us between the eyes and hitting our children and coming into our homes, we have to determine the source. Because sometimes we like to compromise a little bit with those things. We like to, well, you know, it's just the way the world is and we just have to get over it. You know what that is? That's going with the flow. That's saying, you know, we can't fight it anymore. Let's just, let's just let, it, let it roll. Let's just go with it. But you know what Paul's saying here is, is when you determine the source, the source is not of God. And are you willing to let the great deceiver known as Satan educate your children, penetrate their minds with evil and wicked things? Are you really just willing to go with the flow? And he's bringing this up to the Galatians and he's saying, come on guys, what's going on? Verse 9, he goes a little bit further and he uses an illustration of food. In verse 9, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. And really what leaven is, is it causes dough to rise. And it's very evident that just a little bit can make a whole batch rise. It only takes a little bit. And it's almost like it grows and it multiplies. And what he's saying is, is no matter how small you might think this is, no matter how small this idea or this um, temptation for you to just go with the flow with society in a sinful world, no matter how small you think the issue is, guess what? It's going to grow. It's going to get bigger. It's going to permeate every aspect of life to the point where it takes over. 
And here in these churches in Galatia, they were dealing with that. It probably started out as just one crazy, one-off guy coming in saying, all right, all you men have to get circumcised or you're going to hell. And they're like, oh, that dude's crazy. Get him out of here, you know. But then somebody else came in and said, well, you're not going to go to hell if you don't get circumcised. But really, if you don't get circumcised, you're not pleasing God. And God is disgusted with you until you do. And people start thinking, well, it is in the Bible and... You know, the Old Testament did say that you're supposed to circumcise the child on the eighth day from birth as a, in the nation of Israel. So, you know, maybe that's true. And before you know it, it begins to grip and grab hold of the minds of the people. And it begins to grow just like that leaven does in that batch of dough. In the same way in our society today, I'm telling you, false doctrine, lies, evil and wickedness, sin and lust, it can be small to begin with. And not really a big deal in our minds, but before you know it, it's taken over your family. It's taken over your workplace. It's taken over your community and your neighborhood. And Paul is trying to bring them to a place of you need to determine the source before you just go with the flow and before you just try to go with what everyone else is doing. We go on down there into um, verse 10, and this is where I want us to look at the response. So first of all, we're going to determine the source. Where is this false doctrine coming from? Where is this lie coming from? Where is this idea coming from? And it's not, if it's not of God, if it is not originating from the truth giver who is God, if it's not lining up with the word of God, then we need to realize, okay, now we have to respond. And that's number two, to execute the response. So if you're writing that down, if you're taking notes, write that down. It's not enough to just determine the source. It's not enough to just say, okay, this is coming from a bad place and then let it go. But you actually have to do something. You actually have to do something to respond to lies. You actually have to do something to respond to the danger of indoctrination to your children and your family. The mind is so um, absorbent, especially in children, that if you don't protect the minds of children, things can go in that can really cause damage. And a lot of times people think it's no big deal, but it really truly is and it will cause uh, these consequences for many years to come. So in executing the response, we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. So if you look there in verse 10, the Bible says this, I myself am persuaded in the Lord, you will not accept any other view, but whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. So as we know, finding that source is important, now what do we do? Well, the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about this concept, what Paul's talking about here, are pests, pests in the home. So you may think about bugs, ants, you may think about mice or whatever it is. And it took me back to a time several years back when Hannah and I had a mouse problem in our house. Now, has anyone here ever had mouse problems? A lot of times they like to come in the house when temperature starts getting cold and they like to try to get warm in your house and just take over. Well, anyways, we started having these mouse problems. And I thought, okay, the, the traditional, conventional metal you know, uh, spring with the, the wooden trap, that'll do great. So what I did was I got me some peanut butter. I put it on that trap. I put it downstairs between the washer and the dryer. And the next day, I went and checked it. I thought, I'm probably going to have a mouse today. You know, I can't wait to see that. And I get down there, and the mouse has licked the peanut butter completely off the trap. And it's, it's, it's spotless, Okay. And I'm like, man, this ain't good. So then I do it again. Well, he licks it off again. So then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to respond to this mouse a little bit differently because this isn't working. So I started doing some research. And Lowe's sells these traps. They're super sensitive. All right, a mouse could just breathe on the trap and it's going to be set off. 
I put some peanut butter on, they're plastic traps. It talks about, you know, and I know this is inhumane, but I'm okay with this because they're not human beings. But anyways, the force, <laughs> the force of the trap, it just crushes the mouse, you know, which gives me a little bit of a sense of they're not suffering at least, right? So, so I, I get these traps, I set this trap. The next morning, guess what? I've got a mouse in the trap, stone cold dead, okay? Well, the next morning, I set it again. The next morning, I wake up, guess what? There's another mouse. I'm like, man, we're cleaning them out. So then the next morning, another mouse. And then two more mornings, there were two more mice. And they stopped coming. And I think I've maybe only caught one more mouse in that house since then, and several years since then. But it worked. The response worked. But I had to figure out how to respond. I had to figure out what to do to make it right. Well, the beautiful thing about being a Christian is, is we have the guidebook called the Bible. The Bible teaches us how to respond to things like this, how to do it properly, how to do it in a way that honors and glorifies God. In verse 10, Paul begins right off the bat by sharing his confidence, not in the people of Galatia, but in God himself. Because he says this in verse 10, I myself am persuaded in the Lord. So he was at that point, had peace from God. That even though this was a major problem in the churches in Galatia, God was going to take care of it. And ultimately, the Galatians were not going to believe that false view of salvation and that false view of legalism. So the first thing that we need to think about when we're responding to things like this is that God's got it under control and that we can have peace that comes from God in that he wins in the end. I mean, I'll tell you right now, when you turn on the news, when you, when you just hear whatever's going on in the world, whether it's wars, whether it's inflation, whether it's impending famine, whatever they want to talk about, empty grocery store shelves, I'm telling you, it gets depressing. And it, it causes anxiety. It causes struggles in us because it's like we're living in this world that's falling apart around us. But God has not called us to put our hope in this world. He's not called us to just go with the flow and, and consider this world our home. See, we can have peace in those difficult times because we know who wins. We know how this whole thing ends. We know that one day Jesus is going to be on the throne, that Jesus is going to judge all the evil and all the wickedness. Uh, you know, this crazy stuff with um, transgenderism and this crazy stuff with people mad because Roe v. Wade was overturned and now babies are going to live. I mean, we think about this, we're like, how, how wicked can you be? But you know what? We can have peace. God's going to judge that wickedness one day. God is going to bring about his wrath upon the head of sin itself. And listen, the abortionists are not going to win. The, the, the transgenderism is not going to win. The attack on the minds of our children and the perversion that's being put on our children, it's not going to win. Hey, Jesus wins. And what he's saying is, is, hey, I have confidence. I'm not really worried about how this is going to end up, Galatians, because I know ultimately you're going to believe the truth and you're going to get rid of this lie that's penetrating your church. I have confidence in the Lord today. And that's something that we should all have as well when we think about who our God is. We should have peace and confidence in the Lord. Okay? And then he goes on down in verse 10 and he says that you will believe no other view. So when we're trying to come up with a response to a lie or a response to false doctrine or trying to combat people who want us to just go with the flow and people who want to pressure us just to go with society and whatever they're doing, we need to understand that there's only one truth. There's only one truth giver. All truth originates from God. God is the God of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. 
And we understand that the truth is exemplified, it's given to us concretely in the word. Now, as I've said before, the Bible does not just contain truth. It doesn't have parts in it that are true, but in its entirety, every word, every verse is 100% truth. And it's not just truth because I say it is, but it's truth because God says it is. And the truth giver is qualified to tell me what is true and what is not. The one who created everything out of nothing gets to decide what is truth. That's his job. He's qualified to do that. I'm not. I'm a product of his power by him creating me, but I am nowhere near qualified to determine what is true and what is not. He determines that. And we have to understand that as the Galatians were fighting this false doctrine, Paul was reverting back to the one view, the view that is true. And what he was talking about there, he said, I have confidence in the Lord that you will not follow or believe any other view. He's saying, I have confidence that in the end you will trust the truth of grace, that there is only one salvation, and that salvation comes through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any other view is false. Any other idea of salvation is false. And it's very easy to determine. As long as you know the one that's true, you can determine all the others that are false when they come your way. And that's part of the response that God has given us, to know the truth, to know the one truth that is objectively showed in Scripture. So let's be, let us be clear to those who proclaim lies contrary to the Word of God. In other words, as you're at work, or you're in conversation with your friends, or you're in conversation with your family, or you're being taught a lie, or someone's trying to pressure you to just go with the flow. It takes boldness in the Christian life to stand up against those things. And one of those things that we need to do when we're responding is, is we need to be honest about the results or the conclusion of someone's life who chooses to live sinfully, who chooses to live the world's way, who chooses to live under their own righteousness and under their own ideas of what truth is. In verse 11, he states that very clearly. Now, brothers and sisters, if I... I'm sorry, let's go back up to 10. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, listen, I can't punish people for, for disobeying God. I can't punish people for spreading lies. I can't punish people for living sinfully, but there is a day when God will. There is judgment that is gonna fall on sin. And you know what? Sometimes being a loving person means that you need to share that with people who are living sinfully. You need to share that with people who are trying to get you to believe a lie or share that with people who are trying to uh, expose their sin and cause you to want to affirm it. Because really what Satan wants is, Satan's not just okay, even with us turning a blind eye to sin, but he wants us to say that it's okay. Have you ever noticed how the, these tides of just perversion that's sweeping our society, how it's not enough for them to legally be able to do those things? but they want us to say it's okay. And they're angry when we won't. They're angry when we won't say that their view is the only view and that's the correct view. They preach this tolerance and they preach this idea that everyone should have their views and all, their view, all views will be respected, but they only believe that when it's their views. Because then when we teach the, the Christian view, the truth, the absolute truth of Scripture, that's when they, we are then labeled Bigots. That's when we're then labeled people who hate others, people who don't want people to be happy, people who are just judgmental. And they use those words against us because they really aren't even buying their own lies. 
It's just the misery that comes with not being in fellowship and a relationship with the Lord Jesus. So it's important that we are clear about the judgment of God with those who are telling these lies. Paul was very clear about the judgment of God when it came to the Judaizers. He was very clear because they would have gotten a hold of this letter and they would have read it. And he's essentially saying, Judaizers, you want to keep spreading these lies? That's fine. It's not going to work, by the way. But one thing that is for sure is that you're going to be judged for your wickedness. You're going to be judged by God who makes all things right. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. The Bible also says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a biblical fact, my friends. And it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, who you know, where you've been, or what you've done, you will stand before God one day. And there's a world of people out there who have rejected our God. They've rejected the scriptures. They've rejected truth. And the Bible teaches that those as well will stand before that great judge one day. And wrath will fall upon them. It's a sad thing, but it's something that if we love people, we're going to share that with them. Hey, listen, I like believing there's a heaven, but guess what? If I believe there's a heaven, I also have to believe there's a hell. I love believing there's a God because there is a God. But if I believe there's a God, then I also have to believe there's a devil. And there's Satan, and there's wickedness, and there's demonic powers. Listen, if we love people, we're not just going to tell them what they want to hear. We're going to tell them what God wants them to hear. Hey, God didn't call any of us to be popular. All right, he didn't call any of us to be people pleasers. He called us to stand for the truth and the word of God. And if anybody knew what that was like, it was the Apostle Paul. Verse 11, he goes into that a little bit further and he says this, Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. What he's saying is this false doctrine for sure isn't coming for me because I'm still being persecuted. He's saying, I've chosen not to go with the flow. I've chosen to stand in the gap, in the headwinds of society, and I've decided to go with God. But he did say this. He said, as I'm going with God and as I'm preaching the truth, I'm being persecuted. And that's, that's, that was his response to this lie is, is that I'm going to keep preaching the truth. I'm going to keep going God's way even when the rest of the world is going against me. I'm going to keep going with God because I'm loyal to him not to others. And Paul, if anybody had an excuse to quit, it was Paul. Paul had so many physical ailments. He was a man who struggled with a lot of things. I believe he just struggled with a lot of depression. I believe that he was just a man who dealt with a lot of struggles, but yet he didn't quit and he didn't stop. And I'm so thankful for his testimony in Scripture today. We go on down to verse 12. And verse 12 really caused me to have to take a second look, I'll be honest with you. Let's read that. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. Now you think, man, that's pretty harsh stuff. Because basically what he's saying is, is that these people who are spreading this lie, I wish they would just get mutilated. You know, and you're thinking, man, that's rough stuff. That's in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. But that's why it's so important to understand the culture and the context of the scriptures not just to take a one-off verse and try to make a doctrine out of it. So the background here is this. In the first century, there was a prominent pagan nature cult in Asia Minor, and these people would worship the goddess Cybel. And basically, the devoted male followers of Cybel would have themselves castrated. And that was, in their eyes, a way to give full devotion to this goddess Cybel. 
So what Paul is doing, he's using the very same logic of the Judaizers. He's pulling from this pagan cult and he's saying, if what you're saying is true about circumcision and circumcision is a showing of God of your spirituality and if it is a way and a means of salvation, then really shouldn't you just completely finish the job? Instead of just being circumcised, why don't you just castrate yourself? And it's a point that he's making because he's taken the logic to the ultimate and final conclusion of the logic. Remember what I told you about legalism? How legalism, if you get into this mindset of, I have to do this, this, and this, or God is mad at me. I have to do this, this, and this in order to go to heaven. I have to do this, this, and this in order to become spiritual. And I said, when you get into that mindset, what happens is, is that even if you do those very things that you think you need to do in order to please God, then after you do them, legalism will demand that you do three more. Legalism will demand that you do infinitely more because legalism is never satisfied. And what he's saying to these Galatians is, is he's saying it's not going to stop at circumcision. As a matter of fact, there are cults who have the same mind that you have, the same logic that you have, and they're castrating themselves. Wow. That's a pretty powerful point when you realize where he's coming from. And these people here in the first century would have known very well of what this pagan cult was. They would have probably known people and worked with people that were a part of that cult and known had what they had gone through. He's saying, listen, the response is this, stand up for the faith. Call it what it is. When it's unpopular, stand up anyways. When they're persecuting you, stand up anyways. God has not called you to a life of comfort. Nowhere in the Bible are you going to find where God has called you to be comfortable. As a matter of fact, this is Jesus' very words. He said, take up the cross, take up your cross, and follow me. Not your lazy boy recliner. Not your coach pocketbook. Not that it's wrong to own a coach pocketbook, ladies. Don't get mad at me. Don't take up your fishing pole and your tackle box, although it's definitely not wrong to fish. You know what he said? Take up your cross. A death penalty device. A torture device used by the Roman Empire. And arguably the most gross and horrific way to die that mankind has ever contrived in his own mind. He's saying, take that up and follow me. Man, what if God began to make that a reality in our lives where we become Christians that are not just the Sunday morning situation, that are not just the Americanized Christians who, yeah, we're, we're church folk, but, you know, really, I've got a lot of other stuff that I'm trying to get a hold of. And, you know, really, the way I spend my money, the way I spend my time, you know, that really shows who my true God is, and it definitely isn't the God of the Bible. It's actually everything else in my life. What if God got a hold of us, and he brought us into a mindset of, don't go with the flow. Stand up. Stand against the wickedness of this world. And I'm telling you, if there were a few Christians who would do that, I'm as guilty as anybody, but if there's a few Christians who would have been doing that the whole time, then I don't believe our world would be in the shape that it's in. I believe that our world is in the shape that it's in because God's people have failed. It's not because God has failed. God doesn't fail. But those he has called have failed. And today, Pole Creek, I want to encourage you, quit going with the flow. Quit doing it just because the world says to do it. Quit doing it just because that's what's acceptable. Quit doing it because you want to look good on Facebook. Hey, why don't you do what God wants you to do? Why don't you be pleasing to him and be loyal to him and let him be number one? And I'm telling you what that'll do is not only will that glorify his name, 
but that'll give you a peace and a strength that you can't explain because now you're touching the heart of God. Let's pray.